about a month before the world collapsed in on itself and we collectively shuttered ourselves and our homes for the next year, I made my last in-person connection with a new friend. The Empire State Star Wars Collectors Club had its first meetup of the new year at the home of Ross Barr. And I decided that throughout the day, I would record a podcast episode and would try to connect with every person who attended. I had wanted to converse with as many people as I could in the process, to capture what an East Coast meetup was like, and to help those who couldn't make it to Ross's house feel like they were still part of the event. And at some point in the evening, I pulled our friend Robin Bokra into a quiet room, away from the din of the crowd, so we could record a conversation. Robin had brought a friend named FJ with her, and it was his first time attending a local collector's meetup. We sat on the carpeted floor of Ross's guest bedroom like three kids, and talked about Star Wars and the toys we loved. I asked each of them to share their favorite collecting moments and pickups from the previous year. FJ's answers were fascinating, and it was immediately evident that he was someone who radiated kindness. By the time we finished the conversation for the podcast and rejoined the raucousness and joviality of the group, I knew I had made a friend in FJ. And as far as I can remember... My friendship with FJ is the last in-person friendship made before the pandemic. FJ is a longtime Star Wars fan and vintage collector. During the quarantine, he expanded his focus to include modern Star Wars pieces, adding ones from recent shows like The Mandalorian and The Clone Wars. And as his appreciation for The Clone Wars grew, he became an Ahsoka obsessive. FJ and I spent many days chatting about collecting and our mutual appreciation for Ahsoka and the series that birthed her. I had a few friends who not only collected Ahsoka, but were similar in the kindness they showed others, and I thought it would be great to connect all of them. The friendships and bonds that have formed during the quarantine have not been superficial, because many people have put the time into building those relationships. And so, FJ joined me and four other friends for a series of roundtable discussions on Ahsoka and the hobby at the end of the year. And the group has become a tight-knit one, and we're already planning a few more roundtables and our first in-person hangout. At the second and final toy show I attended last year, FJ, Robin, and I met up at ToyCon, New Jersey in October. We spent about an hour together, hanging out in the quiet hallway off of the show floor, and caught up on life and collecting. It was the first time in eight months that the three of us were together in the same room, and it felt wonderful to do so. Being there on that beautiful Friday in October, shopping for collectibles and hanging out together, was really a look toward the future, at the hope of things to come. In the last episode, Robin and I talked about FJ and how he was such a light in our hobby. And I realized that many of you may not know him yet, in the same way I didn't know him until last year. This is a way we can still get to know one another and hang out for a bit until the world opens again. This is a conversation with FJ DeRobertis, teacher, vintage Star Wars curator, fellow Ahsoka collector, friend. This is Six Stories, and this is Star Wars 
Prototypes and Production. messages from FJ from time to time that read something like this. Hey, do you have this person's address? I was thinking of them and wanted to send them something because I think they'd really appreciate it. Or, do you think this person would like this? I wanted to surprise them with it. There's an excitement that comes from statements like that, and I love seeing what happens next. FJ's just a really thoughtful person. As a member of the Empire State Club, that thoughtfulness is really one of the most important qualities in shaping a group. There's a thread that consistently runs through our group, in which members try to make the lives of those around them a little brighter in ways both big and small. And there's a joy that comes from doing things for others. In the act itself is a two-way street of blessings, and that only comes from truly giving of yourself. These acts of kindness keep the torch of a community burning, and people in our group, like FJ, really help to make our club and its resultant friendships more meaningful. A few weeks ago, I asked FJ if he would be up for a Six Stories conversation, and he immediately replied with the enthusiasm that is a cornerstone of his personality. And it reminded me of being a kid and inviting a friend over to play Star Wars in the backyard. And before the two of us would even reach the backyard with our toys that day, we'd already figured out how we were going to play. FJ really has an incredible collection, one that has been carefully curated over the years and covers so many characters and stories from the past four decades of Star Wars. In fact, today, FJ purchased an Obi-Wan Kenobi prototype from Episode 1 and was looking forward to pairing it with his carded production example that he bought when the film was in theaters 20 years ago. I have no idea what FJ will discuss today, which six items from his collection he'll highlight, and which stories he'll share. But he and I have been really excited to do this. We're currently on our way to Coruscant, now that travel regulations have relaxed a bit. Currently aboard a ship called the Razorcrest. FJ's friend Din has kindly offered to take us there, and Din's little green friend has been a great travel companion so far. He eats a lot, though, and he keeps aggravating Din by removing one of the knobs from the ship's control panel. So Din's made a little deal with us. We fly for free, but we have to babysit the little one for the duration of the ride. It's fun being a Star Wars fan. This is the way. Anyway, this seat over here has your name on it, so come join us for a Six Stories conversation. We'll be there before you know it. 
FJ, thank you so much. I know we've been trying to, to do this for a while, uh, and and it's just great. I've been dying to uh, to take this journey with you and uh, and and take a little ride on a on a spaceship with you. So. <laughs> awesome, David. I've been really excited about this and looking forward to it. So it's really good to be here with you today, and I really really appreciate you having me. Fantastic. And you've been on the the podcast before. We we've done a yeah. few episodes. Yes, we have really good ones. <laughs> yeah, and and you were telling me recently that um that you know uh, some people have have reached out to you about it, and and uh, you've made friendships through that, which yes. I think is just really incredible. Yeah, you've made a lot of connections this year, David, for sure. You know, with us being so isolated, and you really made a path for us all to to connect, especially with new people. You know, and I think it's been amazing this year, just making new friends. You know, online, but like real friendships. It's it's been fantastic. And that's really what it's all about, right? And you know, and the goal of this is that by the time we're all together in person again and, and hanging out at meetups and shows, um, we know enough about each other that uh, you know we can jump right into into connecting into being friends. Absolutely, absolutely. Like it's going to make the comfort level even even stronger. Well, cool. Well, I, I want people to understand a little more about you. So, if you can give us an idea, just you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are. Sure. Um, so my name's FJ. <laughs> I uh, live out here in New Jersey. Um, although everybody, every time people meet me that are from out of state, they are convinced I don't live in New Jersey. Like you don't sound like you're from New Jersey. <laughs> I'm like we don't all sound like they do on TV. <laughs> I do not have a particular accent. <laughs> um, so here in Jersey, I am a uh, currently a second grade teacher. Uh, taught all elementary grades um, and living through this. Uh, challenging pandemic year of teaching, which has been quite interesting. I've learned a lot. Um, I also do um, staff development. I have a little side company where I do staff development with um, school districts around the country um, with literacy. Dog dad. And of course, (laughs) obviously, Star Wars um, aficionado. (laughs) (laughs) And how, so you said you're a a second grade teacher. Mm -hmm. How are your kids doing? Oh, they're great. You know, they really are great. And it's, you know, they, I've always known this, you know, I've been teaching 24 years now, but if anything, this year has proven to me is the resilience of children and they're way more resilient than adults are. Um, and I've been in person school, um, all year, um, since September, uh, half day in school and then they go home for lunch and then I teach online the rest of the day from home. Um, but they come in, they, they wear their masks. I tell them every day they wear their masks better than any adult does. <laughs> they are fantastic. <laughs> and, they, you know, they're, they're still, school's very different this year, but they are still, you know, showing their passion for learning. And, um, it's, it's just been amazing to see it really has. Yeah, and I don't want to break any confidences here, but I remember you and I were talking when you were, uh, on your way back to going to, to school mm-hmm. to teach in person again. And, you know, you were like everybody else, you were, you know, concerned, uh, a little nervous about being, you know, back in that environment, especially because, we really didn't understand um, COVID like we do now. And, and yeah. even now we really don't. Um, but, uh, but I just remember talking to you after short, very shortly after that. And you were like, there's no place I'd rather be. Yeah. And you were just, you were just overjoyed to be back with the kids again. And I just, I thought that was so touching and so wonderful. It really was. And then we had a little bit of a taste of being all virtual in December because they had us go virtual before the break just for quarantine purposes. And it was fine, but it was just, yeah, it was not the same. Definitely no. being in person was so much better. Oh, good. Well, very cool. All right. So you had mentioned that you were a Star Wars aficionado. <laughs> uh, so we are going to definitely get into that. Awesome. Uh, before we start with your six stories, uh, so you're going to, to share six stories about your uh, about pieces and items 
that you own that means something to you that are in your collection. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we start with that, I, I want to hit you with a quick six, okay. uh, just to just to have people you know get to know you a little more. Okay. Um, and these are questions that honestly, when I came up with them, I really try to come up with questions that I have, uh, you know, that that I'm I'm really curious about too, and and uh, I'm very interested to hear your answers. Okay, um, intriguing. <laughs> so, what does Star Wars mean to you? Mm, wow, that's a deep question. I know. <laughs> what does Star Wars? We're mean starting to you me? off strong, my friend. <laughs> you know, it goes. It just goes beyond the movies. Um, God, it's so it's such a part of who I am um, that you know, and that was part of when I did that that our Star Wars stories with Lucasfilm. That's kind of what that whole show was about. It was about you know what does Star Wars mean for you, and it you know it it's it means a child that when I was a child who was not maybe very confident in a lot of things, it was something that gave me confidence because it was something that I was just passionate about. Um, it's it's something that I can you know, pull out life lessons from and apply and um, make connections to. It's something that I can get my students excited about because I, I infuse it into my, my teaching. It's just, it's just way beyond the movies. It's about, I think for the most part at this point in my life, it's about the connections and the friendships that I've made because a lot of my friendships now, I think a lot of my closest friendships are within the, the collecting community and, and Star Wars in general. Um, so I think it's just, it's just about this kind of force that sort of like brings us all together. It's something that we, we can all disagree. We know there's a lot of disagreements in the, in the star Wars world. It's in phase age. Um, Not familiar with any of these, <laughs> <laughs> but you can all find things that you can agree on and can love. And, you know, it's just such a vast universe now. And I think it is like a force that kind of brings us all together. So I think that's what star Wars means to me. You know, it's not just about the movies and the toys that I that I grew up loving. It's it's just about what it brings to all of our lives. If that makes sense, I know that answer. Absolutely, kind of it's a confidence builder. It's an, yes. uh, it, it builds your your identity and who you are. Yep. Um, it allows you to be creative, and then, as you said, it allows you to connect with other people as as a child and and even you know as an, as an adult now, which is yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you can influence your kids too. That's really cool as you yeah. teach them. Well, they know. I mean, and it's funny when the about this time of year when the kids are starting to think about their next year teacher. You know, all these first graders will see me in the hallway, and they're like, "Mr. D." The kids who didn't even you know say boo to me like all year, <laughs> they wave at me. You know, I like Star Wars too. My <laughs> favorite character is because they just know I'm well known in the school as. Mr. Deaver Burtis is like the, the Star Wars junkie and because usually my welcome bullets and boards are something Star Wars related. So it's it's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And it gives them something to look forward to next year. And as, as you just said, it, it's an instant connection. Like they yeah. don't I think that breaks down barriers because, you know, especially with kids talking to adults, it can be very intimidating. Yes. And if they know that that you share the same interest that they do. And, and, and there's something about Star Wars. Again, it comes down to storytelling and creativity. Um, and just excitement that they can look and go, okay, I have an ally and a friend here. Yeah, yeah, totally. Pretty it's cool. like a comfort zone for sure. Yeah. Um, as a collector, what's a lesson you've learned from collecting? Um, to be patient. To, mm. to really sit back and be patient and don't just jump at something. So even if it's something that you've wanted for a long time, you know, there have been pieces that, 
that maybe I spent too much money on that I've maybe looked back like, <laughs> uh, wish I didn't do that. Um, and there are pieces that, that I've been wanting for a long time and, you know, you'll see it whether on eBay or deal or no deal. Um, and you want it so bad and you want to jump on it, but then you think, uh, I can wait, I can wait because maybe I can find it a little bit cheaper or a little bit better condition. And honestly, like between even just collector friends who know what you're looking for, right? So there's lots of my friends who always know what I'm looking for and they constantly tag me and things or send me messages. Look, here it is. And, and then I find it or they find it for me at a show that they're, they've gone to that I haven't gone to, you know, and usually the right piece that I've been looking for falls into my hands, you know, for either the right price or the right condition eventually. So I've just learned to be patient and to know um, that it will come. It will come. It's perfect. Yeah. And that's really true. I mean, we've, we've seen it over the years and it's something that I think uh, it takes us a little while to learn, Yes, uh, you know, because we do have that, that impulse to grab something when we see it. And then, you know, and I, I think the fact that our friends help us too, um, we learn to sit back over time and to, um, to help others and, and to be helped and then to wait for that right piece. As you said. That's, yeah. Definitely. Just trusting each other, right? I mean, that's yeah, what yeah. the community is about. <laughs> uh, during the quarantine, what has been a personal accomplishment for you? Um, hmm. Like collecting related or just anything related? Just anything, anything, anything in your life. Well, it can be collecting um, related or, or not. You know, what's been a, uh, uh, if this is a non, I'll, I'll give you one of each. How about that? So Perfect. the non collecting accomplishment I think is, being able, especially at the heart of the pandemic, being able to just be at peace, uh, being at home, just with me and Joe, like I'm kind of like a social butterfly. So I'm the one that makes the plans. And we, you know, we're always every weekend is always booked with, you know, going to this friend's house or going out to dinner in the city. And sure. um, so that was a little uneasy for me in the beginning. Um, and then I just took a 180. And I just started to enjoy it. I've become a little, almost like a little bit of a recluse now where we are going out. I'm like, ah, do we have to go out tonight? Um, so yeah, just becoming at peace with, with being okay with me and um, enjoying myself being home and um, being by myself or just with Joe and the dogs. Like, so that's one, I think, accomplishment that I hope to continue with a little bit where I can have more of a balance of just, you know, kind of quiet time and social time. Um, and then the, the, the accomplishment just collecting wise, like I really, I've built up my collection a lot more during this pandemic. Like there have been, I've definitely, I guess, cause you're sitting home and you're not going on vacation and spending money on things that you normally right. do. So I have been spending money on my collection and it definitely has taken off a lot this year. <laughs> like I'm busting out. I've, I've actually, I have the star Wars room. That's what we call it. Um, which has become just basically the, the collection room. And I've now, we turned one of the guest rooms into a classroom for me when I'm doing remote. But now that classroom has slowly become like a second Star Wars room. So <laughs> there might be like two bookshelves that just went up this weekend that I'm in the middle of putting lights in. So Yeah, that sounds um, about right. Sure. <laughs> so that's what I've accomplished during this pandemic. <laughs> Very cool. Hey, those are two really good ones. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I, I think it's been nice to to be home. Um, I, I liken it to kind of jumping off of the merry ground for a little bit. Yeah, like even uh, the holidays. Like I it was just us. Like we didn't, we didn't, you know, I dropped a meal off to my mom because at that point none of us were vaccinated, but I made, you know, I made a big meal and I dropped it off to her. She lives the next town over. And, um, normally we're with big families for Christmas and, and Thanksgiving and it was just us. Of course we did the zoom thing, but 
I thought that it would really, cause that's my Christmas is my favorite holiday in the world. And, um, but I liked it. I actually really enjoyed just being us and the dogs at home. You know, it was a nice little change and, you know, something that I guess that we'll treasure for years to come, you know, when we look back. Absolutely. And I think knowing that it's temporary yes. really helps, Definitely. you know, where I'm already looking back on, um, some of the moments of 2020. And I just, for me, it, it was a really, you know, there were, there were challenging and tough moments. And then it was also a really special year as well. So, I agree. I totally agree. Um, okay. So what is your favorite star Wars film and what is your least favorite? Okay. Definitely empire strikes back. And I think that's, you know, it's probably the boring answer, right? Cause I think everybody, almost everyone in our generation will probably say that. Um, I, I just think, you know, just the, the deep themes. I like the darkness about it a little bit too. And the intrigue. Um, I think the character relationships got so deep in that movie. Um, so I love the empire strikes back. My least favorite, probably attack of the clones, which is weird because the clone wars, like the TV shows become <laughs> one of my favorite things, obviously, which we'll talk about yeah. later, um, with star Wars. But for some reason, although I do have a new appreciation for it since falling in love with the clone wars, um, but yeah, I think it's just my least favorite out of all of them. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think um, I think I might agree with you on both of those. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, what scene scared you as a child? Star Wars scene? Um, you, know, you know, you're gonna laugh, but like I I remember this vividly. I was in. It was when I went to see it in the theater, the original Star Wars. I was just like shy of you know under three years old. I remember my dad taking us and the scene where the Jawa like came out of nowhere and just shot R2-D2 with like the stun gun. Yeah. Scared the (laughs) out of me. My mom's favorite words. I had to say that. Um, Scared the crap out of me. And, and then I was upset. I remember like I, I was, I thought he died. So I was like really worried about (laughs) R2-D2. And then even today I still watch that scene, you know, it's coming and it just like, I still get like the jolt when it like comes out of the behind the rock and shoots R2. That was hand, I know, right? Out of all the, the Darth Vader stuff, and that's the scene that scares me the most. <laughs> well, no, but but again, like you know, we're supposed to be R two D two, and R two D two in some ways is like a little child, and he's walking around in this area completely by himself with no one else around, and they purposefully lower the sound for it, yes. um, you know, where it gets really quiet, and then when when the Jawa pops out, it's 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 the Jawa shriek and and the um you know the the uh, it's like the, the taser that he has or the, the, um, you know, the, the yeah. blaster they has the stun, the stun, um, stun ray. And it's so loud and jolting that it is, it's terrifying. It's yeah. terrifying. And then it's weird because then I, after that, like the Jawas were like my favorite. Like I, I remember I had like five little Jawa figures growing up. Like, you know, my mom bought me a few of them just so I could like <laughs> recreate the scenes. And I had a Jawa t-shirt and it's weird, even though it's like the scariest part of the movie for me that I just fell in love with Jawas. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't think they're really that scary. I think it's more of just it's that moment. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for um, sure. <laughs> um, who is somebody within our collecting community that you admire? I'm not allowed to say you. <laughs> no, no, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Um, oh, there's so many. It's so hard. To That's very kind of you, by the way. But no, no, yeah, just just you know, somebody in our community. Or, um. Ah, uh, they're. they're I, I, I guess, you know, um, I, I will say Robin, just that she, you know, she's the one who catapulted me into this community. 
so I met Robin doing our Star Wars stories and, um, you know, we became fast friends. Um, we just connected really quickly. I know on her show, on your, uh, her episode with you, she talked about us meeting at Comic-Con and we, we did, we just giggled the whole time and we just completely <laughs> bonded, but she was like shocked that I was this big collector and wasn't in the communities. And I said, no, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the Facebook group, some of them, and I, but I'm more like the voyeur. Like I don't really, you know, I've never really met anybody. I've never gone to meetups and she was not going to take that for like, <laughs> you know, she's like, this is not going to be, you have to, yeah. you have to meet this person, this person. And, um, and then she, you know, brought me to the meetup right before the pandemic at Ross's house. And, um, you know, she signed me up, made sure that I joined, um, like the Empire State Club, which has been that, you know, God, I love being a part of that. It's such a part of who I am now <laughs> being a part of that group. And then she made me, you know, a moderator on Bestman Prime. And so it's just, you know, she, and just her, her collection alone and the way that she collects, um, she's just taught me so much, you know, um, about all the nuances of collecting, um, that, yeah, I just admire her so much and then just through people that I met like just you know meeting you know Tom Quinn who you know I've become very good friends with and he's just I admire him just for his constant thoughtfulness of others just the way I see him that he's thoughtful with everybody in the community and he just thinks of others before himself and you know I I admire and strive to be that as well so that's just that's why I mean they're like it's so hard to pick one but <laughs> absolutely and and uh, I think that's really I guess that really is the answer. Uh, is that that it is really difficult to just pick one? But um, yeah, I could do a story on every single person that I've met, right? <laughs> like that, and I we could just do a whole series of that because, I, especially people that like that I met that I haven't even met physically that I feel like I've known my whole life. You know, there it's just you know like in our Bestman Prime, you know, little community, we you know we have you know Mike and and Vicky and Dennis and Abdul and Aiden and Jason and Robin, the head of that, like, you know, we've become our close little family and, you know, it's just, and again, I haven't even physically met some of them and I feel like I've known them my whole life. So it's just been getting involved in all these communities has been so special and um, something that I will treasure forever. It's a really special thing. And I'm, I'm so glad that you said that too, because, and that you feel that way because, um, I think we're really fortunate to be able to go into a community that is nonstop creative, um, that, that truly loves life, loves to, to go on these adventures and, and make these moments really special and are very thoughtful, you know, um, in, in how they care for one another and how they reach out to each other. Um, yeah, we're really blessed. Yeah, totally agree with that. Okay. And then final question. Um, I asked this one of Robin and since you and Robin are close friends, I thought I would ask you as well too. <laughs> Um, if you could have dinner with anyone who worked on Star Wars, uh, living or dead, who would it be? Mark Hamill, hands down. <laughs> hands down. And that's one of my stories later. Um, okay. Uh, but, yeah, because I – and not even just because he – you know, I, I growing up, I mean, Luke Skywalker is who I idolized and wanted to be. And that's, of course, nine times out of ten when we would, you know, role play Star Wars, that's who I was. Um, but, but even – beyond the character, just, I just admire him as a, as a person and an actor and like his, just his voiceover stuff is just incredible. And he's funny. And I like, just like Carrie Fisher, I mean, I would love to hang out with her too. And, um, but, but Mark is like her in a sense where he just, every time I watch him in interviews, he's just so funny. And he just seems like he would just be so much fun to hang out with. Um, 
and yet have great conversation with about life. Um, I would love to hang out with Mark Hamill. Yeah, I think there's not even, I mean, there's a lot of people I like to hang out with from the movies, and but I think, and he knows so much about, he's just so into the lore of Star Wars and Lucasfilm, and I think he'd have so many stories to share. Yeah, I think that's a really good answer. And uh, and maybe as a, as a as a second optional guest along with you two, uh, Ashley Eckstein. Oh, my God. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. Like, please. <laughs> we'll put Rosario in there and then we'll be. <laughs> uh, Dave Filoni, sure. Yeah, sure. We, Dave Filoni. Oh, my God. We'll, we'll fill that table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That would be a great dinner. <laughs> awesome. Well, all right. Let's get into your six stories now. So uh, if you're okay. ready to share. Um, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, really, um, I don't know what items you're going to be talking about or what stories you're going to be sharing with, with us. And I think that's really exciting. Um, so we'll, we'll just kick it off with story number one. Hey, story number one is my 12-back Princess Leia figure. Um, that, I, it's actually like I'm looking at it right now. It's up in the top shelf of my carded cabinet. And um the reason that is so special to me is it really it's what catapulted me into Star Wars collecting back in 1995. Um, I, you know, I still had a bunch of my Star Wars stuff growing up uh, left over, all my loose figures and vehicles, and I had a lot of my boxes to my vehicles too because I kind of kept things like that when I was young. And I was in the mall um, with my mom and my sister. I remember in 1995, and there was this new store all of a sudden called Starlog, like a sci-fi store. And I remember walking in, like, and I, there was this huge light-up case. There was all kinds of like vintage uh, stuff in it, and on this one shelf was like the Star Wars stuff. And I remember seeing there was an early bird envelope, which I didn't know what even that was at the time. If I would have bought that, probably I should have. <laughs> sure. I have one now, but I spent a lot more money than it probably was back then. Um, but then I saw this couple carded figures, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it was just so weird. This many years later, to see carded figures. So, um, I was like, I, I have to have that. And I, I didn't buy it right away. I remember kind of like walking around the mall and wanting to go back in. And my sister was like, you really want to get something, don't you? Like I do. And so I think it was like a hundred something dollars, maybe like $125 back then. And I had money in my wallet. My, my grandmother had just passed away a couple months before prior to that. And it was right after my birthday. Um, and my, my grandmother was really sick and my uncle had given me this card that, when she was in the hospital, he had said to her, you have to, it's FJ's birthday. Like she was remembering, you know, that it was FJ's birthday. Please go get a card, bring it to me so I can sign it and put, you know, money in it. And so she did. And I didn't know what I wanted to, do. I knew what I, I just wanted to buy something special with that money. And, and I thought, you know, this is it. I just knew that like, this is, I remember that I had that in my wallet and I went in and I went back in the store and I bought that figure um, with her money. And then it also catapulted me into I started going to Starlog all the time, and then I was introduced to my good friend Jordan, Jordan Hembro, because he was, I don't know if he was managing or working at the store at the time, but he was like their buyer. Like, he's hes the one who obviously, not shocking, right? He was the one that was getting all their stuff. But I would go in all the time and talk to him, and we just became friends. And then, then I started buying from him, like, outside the store. And I remember we would meet. He <laughs> actually lived in the town that I'm living in now. He grew up here. And um, we would meet in the Food Town parking lot at night, and like exchange <laughs> it was like a star wars drug deal um and that's what we would do and so i bought a bunch of figures from him um and that just continued you know it was my my start to collecting and my start my friendship with him um 
And it's interesting because my grandmother too, she was very big on, um, like she always gave us like savings bonds and money and, and, you know, she didn't like us to, like she would give us like one little toy, but she, I remember her always just saying, you know, it's very important you save your money. And, you know, she, you know, was from the depression. So it was all, you know, she was all about that. And I, and looking back, she probably would have, would have been like, don't you buy that toy with the hundred dollars I gave you. But <laughs> now with what this collection is worth, I know that she's, you know, looking at me saying, wow, good job. Like, wow, you have like, you made an investment. You didn't just yes, buy that toy. Yes, wise investment. Absolutely. So I always look at that figure and I, it's, you know, really one of my favorite figures because I feel like it's her last gift to me. And it, it, it that one figure ignited this entire collection that's surrounding me right now. It's funny, the things that we do at the time, we really can't appreciate. Like you went with your gut and, and you kind of, you know, you really put two and two together there where you said this, this money is, is very special um, because of what it represents. And I want it to basically live forever into something. Yeah. Um, and, and so for you to transfer it like that is just, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's um, to have it as one of your, your, your pieces that you're sharing today must mean something very special to you. Oh, yeah. And you can see why. So, very cool. Thank you. Story number two. Story number two. And now I'm looking at that piece. Um, uh, it's one of my original Darth Vader figures um, from when I was little. Um, I have it in this little on a shelf in a case on my Dagobah playset with Luke Dagobah with Yoda in the backpack. So this figure is very special to me because it's actually like a second Darth Vader figure that I had. So you asked what my favorite movie was, and I said Empire Strikes Back. And so when I was little and saw that movie, I this is the scene that really should have scared me the most, but I think actually <laughs> my favorite scene on Dagobah when he goes into that little cave and then he's um, confronted by Darth Vader and chops off his head and is really confronted with himself. Um, I just thought that, I don't know, I thought that scene was really cool. And I always wanted a figure where Darth, he could, Luke could chop Darth Vader's head off. And I remember always saying that. And I kept asking, are they going to come out with that figure? And so my, my dad um, went to the store and bought me another Darth Vader figure. And because I guess he didn't want to do this to mine. Um, bought me a second Darth Vader figure. And he cut the head off. And he drilled a little hole in the head and put a little wooden dowel for its neck. And so that I could have a Darth Vader head that would pop off. Oh, that's um, so smart. And then he, then he gave it to me and he said, yeah, he goes, until they make you that figure, then, you know, here you have one for now. And you know, that figure's priceless to me. And, um, and it's funny. I didn't have a, I didn't have a, I guess I lost the, um, lightsaber to that. And then recently my friend Abdul, I don't know, in conversation, I must've said that I, that I didn't have that. And he sent me a, new, a lightsaber to a real one to put in there. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, just really special to me that my dad was that thoughtful and um, it wasn't, he wasn't like a huge Star Wars fan. He just, you know, loved my passion for it mm-hmm. and he went and did that. So I really love that piece. And you probably have the only lopped head variant yes. <laughs> uh, that, that Kenner never released. So, <laughs> Well, Jordan joked with me because actually it was in, um, they, they put that into our Star Wars stories, the the Lucasfilm video that we did. And he's like, well, now there's, you know, now you have a real collectible that's going to be worth money. I'm like, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still don't think it's going to be worth anything. But <laughs> uh, it's priceless. It priceless is absolutely priceless. Priceless to me. <laughs> okay. Story number three. 
Story number three. So now we'll get back to Mark Hamill. <laughs> um, in 1996, um, Mark Hamill, a friend of mine, had reached out to me. Um, again, uh, she wasn't even a big Star Wars fan, but knew I was. And I guess she had saw in a magazine or paper that Mark was going to be at the Virgin Megastore in New York City in Times Square um, signing autographs for free because they didn't really charge for autographs back then. He was promoting some kind of CD-ROM game back in the day. I guess he did a voice for. Um, so she said, we should go. We should go, and you can get a, his autograph. And I thought, yeah. So we went, stood on a long line, and I had brought with me um, my original um, card back, 1977, um, Farm Boy Luke. And I know there's going to be collectors out there saying, please tell me you didn't get this signed. But <laughs> I did. I really did. And, um, and then I had the, the 1995 version um, of the, the modern one carded. I brought them both. Um, I thought it'd be cool to kind of get one from each era signed. And I remember being up in, in line and then there were like, I don't know if they were like security guards or handlers. They just kept telling people, he's only signing one thing. Like they were very gruff. And then I remember getting up to the table um, well, first I get up to the table and in FJ fashion, I completely knock into his folding table that he's sitting at. Gosh. I completely spill his water which gets on his lap all over him, I spilled his markers. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he looks up at me with his like lap wet and he's like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You're just uh-huh. like me. I'm like, oh my gosh, Luke Skywalker. Said I'm just like <laughs> um, and he was so nice. And then I went, to, I had the two things in my hand and somebody behind him was, he's only signing one, like said it really gruffly. And he just looked up and he looked at the guy and he said, I'm going to sign whatever they give me. Um, and then uh-huh. I, I gave him the two figures. He signed them both and he personalized them to me and wrote to FJ. And, um, and then he held, I wish that, you know, we didn't have phones back then, right, to take pictures. And I, don't, yeah. I never carried a camera with me. I wish that I had a picture with him and did this. But he held up both figures to the crowd. I remember him saying, look, everybody, me before steroids, me after steroids. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s one was like all jacked like He-Man. And, um, and it was great. And it was, you know, it's, and I, I look up there and I have like a little autograph shelf in my room where I, I have also a Princess Leia figure inside by Carrie and, some Darth Vader ones. And, um, yeah, though, that's actually another priceless piece. Like, you know, for me, um, because it's just the moment I met my childhood hero I had met and he was nice. Like, you know, when you, people are afraid to sometimes meet, um, people that they admire that they grew up admiring because they're, you know, there are lots of stories where they meet people and they're not nice. And he was so super nice. And, you know, again, made the comment, you're just like me. Yeah, I mean, um, you gave him enough reasons to not be nice, and he was still exactly. nice. <laughs> and to those who who don't like the autographs, I did, I do have a second um, vintage, you know, carded Luke on my shelf that is not autographed. <laughs> so I <laughs> autographed one on my autograph shelf, and, you know, but it's just priceless to me. And, uh, you know, when I see my name on it, written by him and Mark Hamill, all, all these 25 years later, I'm looking at it, and it's still... I just get so excited looking at, at those pieces. They're, they're some of my favorite. Yeah. And I, we're fortunate in that sense where, you know, they come to areas uh, around us or we go to conventions and we get to meet them. But when you have a story like that, um, you know, a truly personal one and a personal exchange, um, I, I think that's why Mark has always been just beloved by everybody is because he really goes out of his way to make you feel connected. Yeah. Um, 
and, and to make you feel like like part of the the Star Wars universe. As well. Exactly, and that and that's when you ask me who I would go to dinner with. I mean, just because of that that little short connection I had with him, I knew he would be so comfortable to have dinner with and really cool. Just you know, for meeting him that that one time. Yeah, I think we would arrange sippy cups on the table though. If we were to- <laughs> because let me tell you that's still me that is just not like it's whenever i tell people that story that know me that grew up with me like oh my god that is so you like i would fill my drink at the dinner table like almost every other night growing up i'm still a huge klutz i trip in my classroom all the time who i am i'm charlie brown that's actually a lot of in college that was my nickname charlie brown because that's just yeah that's who i am (laughs) That's really cool. Well, three wonderful stories so far. I love them. Thank Absolutely. you. Number, story number four. Story number four. So story number four involves the radio-controlled um, Jawa Sandcrawler. So I'm looking at that now, right now, in my collection. Actually, funny, um, <laughs> the way I display it, because I like to display all my vehicles. Um, I have some vehicles and stuff that are sealed in their boxes, but some I have where even the ones that are loose, I have the box displayed with it. So that one. I have it out, and the the Jawa I'm looking at right now is it, it has his gun up or his stun gun up, and R two D two's laying on the the floor of my case. <laughs> <laughs> I recreated the scene that scared me. <laughs> um, but the, so the, I picked that because um, I only just acquired that a couple years ago. Um, I remember looking; I never even knew that existed growing up. And I remember when I got into collecting in the late '90s, mid to late '90s, and I had that book. Um, actually, it's right here on my coffee table. The from concept to screen to collectible by um, Steve Sansweet. And I remember seeing this little picture in that. And that's the first time I ever knew that this existed. I'm like, wow. And back then that was kind of a really hard collectible to get. I just didn't think that I would ever, ever have it because I thought it was so rare. Um, so I never acquired it. And when I went to Celebration um, back in Chicago in 2019, I was walking around the floor with my friend David Gall. Um, and I actually had just met him kind of there. I only know him for like a day or two at that point and now you know, become friends since. But we're walking around the floor and we happen to pass one. And he said, and I said, oh, and I was like, oh, you know, like putting my hand out towards the box. And he goes, you don't have that? And I said, no, you know, I never got it. And I told him, you know, the story of, of how it just seemed like this rare piece to me, which it kind of is. I mean, it's not, still not that easy to get. It's definitely rare. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Um, and because I always loved the Jawas, it's I, I, ha, I always had the land of the Jawas. I grew up having that, and I have that in my collection now. But um, and he said to me, "Oh, I have one here with me, you know, that he had brought to sell." Um, I'm like, "Oh, wow, that's great." Um, and he said, "Would you want to buy it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, maybe." And I was, but I was thinking, <laughs> like, at that point, I didn't know how much those. I knew they were kind of expensive, and. Right. Um, you know, usually I don't like just jump at a purchase like that. I mean, of course I've made purchases that large and larger, but, and then he said to me, I said, yeah, maybe he goes, well, um, I'll tell you, he goes, I'll tell you what I bought that, um, in 2003. I'm like, okay. He goes, I'm going to, I'm going to sell it to you for the price that I bought it for in 2003. Oh my gosh. And then, I mean, I won't, you know, go through the prices. Sure. He, it was very inexpensive. And I said, David, you're not, you're not selling it to me. I'm not going to buy it from you. He goes, no. And like, he was just so insistent. He goes, no, I want you to have this. You need this in your collection. And he sold it to me for the price um, that he bought it for in 2003. And so that, I mean, besides that, just being one of my favorite vehicles and I'm happy to have it. But to me, you know, that goes along with what we've talked about where collecting goes 
far beyond making money and far beyond just getting the pieces that you want in your collection. It's about just people who, you know, care about other people and, and the friendships that you make and the connections that you make. And, you know, that, that's why I've become better friends with him just because he's, that just shows you what a great guy he is and, and, you know, how caring he is. He could have turned around and sold that right there at celebration, you know, for many more times than what I paid for it. Um, so I, it's just, I, I look at that and that's what that reminds me of just, you know, and, and, and I, I oftentimes will send him pictures <laughs> of it at least once a year, <laughs> you know, where I've changed the, the position of the figures and I'm like, look, this is still one of my favorite things to look at. Like I always, you know, send that to him and he really appreciates that. Um, and, and David is one of the nicest yes. and most knowledgeable collectors yes. oh, uh, yeah. in our community. And, um, and I just, you know, you can you can tell when you talk to other collectors um, who are really going to cherish pieces and appreciate them. And it's there's something joyful about sharing stuff like that with another collector. So yep. uh, he knew it was going to a good home. That's what he always says. He, he's always, he always says, I'm just so glad it's in your home and with your collection. And um, I think that meant more to him than any money that he would make off of that. And that's taught me a lesson, too. Like, I mean, I don't very I don't really. I don't really sell very often at all um, unless I just have extra things. I, I'm definitely the Star Wars hoarder, but but when I <laughs> sure. do, I, I like, I, I have given pieces to people and um, you know, because I just, if I know they're going to love it and, and cherish it and it will go to a good home, then that means more to me than the money that I'll get from it. And he definitely taught me that lesson big time. Yeah. And as a fellow collector, you know what this stuff means to you. Mm-hmm. And we do, we become curators, we become stewards of this stuff. And, and you want to see them go to people who will appreciate this stuff, um, where if it means something to you, or if it meant something to you at one point, it will mean something to them. Uh, exactly. and, and you really can't have a better transaction than that. So yeah, I look at the even everything in my room, pretty much, especially the ones that have come from friends. It's almost like when you hang Christmas ornaments on the tree, right? Like for me, every Christmas ornament has a memory attached to it. I have a lot of family ornaments or ornaments that we got when we went on vacations together. And I think about the piece, like, so I'm telling this story, like these pieces in my collection, there's stories behind them. There's feeling and meaning behind them. It's not just this toy, you know, up in my room on display. There's, there's, there's emotion behind it. There's story behind it. Yeah, and I think a lot of non-collectors, uh, you know, or people who who maybe don't aren't part of this this community, um, it's a little more foreign for them. You know that that something like you know a plastic toy from forty years ago could have such meaning, even if it wasn't our childhood one. Right. You know? um, but yeah, I love the fact that you have one of those sand crawlers. They're just oh, it's great. One of the nicest designs, and uh, really detailed and intricate too. I can't get over it. It really is right, especially if, if, from nineteen seventy seven, like that that much detail went into it. I think that's yeah. what's really cool about it. Like it looks like, I mean, I, I know it's not the size scale wise, but um, it looks like the, the sand crawler from the movie more, more than most of the vehicles did back then. And generally when you look at toys, especially older toys, you either had a play set that you could, um, you know, put your figures into and, and actually play with, or you had a remote controlled um, item, mm-hmm. a vehicle or, or play set that, that looked really cool from the outside, but had no playability other than that it was remote controlled. Yeah. And, it would move. and the fact that this does both, uh, you know, I, to me is it, still, it's, it's innovative. It's, it's really incredible. And it yeah. just, it looks so cool. Oh, totally. 
Okay, story number five. Story number five. So story number five, um, when I say it, it's going to sound sort of funny because it's not, it's not a Star Wars item, but you'll see that it kind of comes back to Star Wars because everything goes back to Star Wars in my life. <laughs> um, so story number five, I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, my, my father was an artist. Um, uh, the last type of medium that he did before he passed was paintings. He did like landscapes and then he eventually transitioned into abstract painting. And of course I have a bunch of his paintings all over my house. Um, but my favorite medium that he did and he did it, um, from like the, I guess the, probably from when I was born, the early seventies, all the way, probably to like the mid to late eighties, he carved birds. And I mean, when I tell you he carved birds, I mean, they are I'm not just saying this cause he was my dad. These things are if you look at them, they are so realistic. They look like they could take off. Like they could just take flight. He carved them. He would just take a block of wood, and that block of wood would turn into this amazing creature. And he would carve it. He intricately used a burning tool and burned like uh, feathers into it, like the and like where they look like feathers. And he has um, uh, one. My favorite piece is his bald eagle, which is in flight. So like the wings are out, and it's he has it like flying off of a piece of driftwood and. Um, yeah, the detail on every like feather. It's just, I don't know how any human hands made that. And I, I wish that I could go back in time and, and have watched him do it. I, I can see him carving in my mind cause I would, you know, saw it for years, but I don't, yeah. I didn't learn how to do it. I wish that I had. Um, so I have a few of his pieces and now we're in the middle of going through, um, there are pieces that I had said to him before he passed that I wanted and he wrote my name down and, on those pieces. So we're, we're in the middle of um, now displaying them and starting to display them. And um, so when my dad had them displayed, he's carved over 800 birds in his life. And, well, and, and just to give people an idea, uh, to give our friends an idea of what, what you're talking about too. Um, these are, these are not carved into wood. These are, these are actual, they, they almost look like 3d sculpts. Yeah, they're total. It looks like if you held it in your hand that it would start tweeting and um he his company was called waterfowl miniatures because they were mostly they were mostly um like like ducks and waterfowl and and Mm -hmm. um birds of prey and and um so they weren't like life size he like kind of shrunk them down um almost like the size of like star wars figures (laughs) um and but they were they just still looked like they could start breathing and, and speaking and so he had he had carved over 800 he would sell them he taught people how to carve as well um so there's a lot out there, uh, you know, that people have, but he kept like over 200 of his own. Cause what he would do is he would invite people over and they would see them and then they would put an order in and then he would then carve that, recreate it for them. But when you would go into the, his basement, he had all these glass cases that all lit up. And I remember whenever he company was going to come over or if he was going to just show, you know, his art he would light up the whole, all the cases and the whole basement just lit up in like this beautiful way. Like, you know, and, um, and so that is kind of like the inspiration for how I have my Star Wars room. Like you come in, it's all these cases and lighting is, is always been very important to me um, and how I display my, my pieces and my collection. And, and it goes back to the way he lit up his bird cases. And now we're actually getting a case um, outside my Star Wars room in the house where we're going to um, light it up and put a bunch of my dad's pieces in there. So, um, just his knack of displaying and the way that he displayed his art has transferred to the way I display. And, and before he passed, he did see, he didn't see the room and the splendor that it's in now, but he saw it probably with like half the stuff that's in it. I remember him coming over and him looking at the way everything was lit up. 
because he was also a collector by nature as well. Yeah. And he just I remember his eyes just widening, like, wow. Like, like it was just this connection that we had because he knew that that's kind of how he displayed his things. And he was seeing that now in me and how I was displaying my collection. So his bird carvings, <laughs> oddly enough, can connect to my Star Wars. And I don't say this lightly at all. There, there, there are hobbyists, and there are people who who paint and you know who who sculpt or who wood carve, and then there are artists. And your dad was such an amazing artist. Um, one really? of my fa- I, 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 like any pictures that you've ever shared uh, with me or you know with a group, I, they are stunning. Uh, I think my favorite one is the one that you have up uh, in one of the rooms of your house, where it's um it's it's red and it's the New York City yeah. skyline. Yes. And as somebody who passed that, you know, every day for the past 15 years going to work, um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's all in red and, um, it's somewhat hard to make out the buildings in a way like where they, they really kind of, you know, by, by staring at the image, uh, they, they really start to kind of come to the forefront over time and it's kind of hazy in this beautiful way. And I, I just thought, it's exactly what I saw each day that I was coming into the city. It's so funny that you brought that piece up, David, because that <laughs> that's the only thing in this Star Wars room that's not Star Wars. And it's above my my TV. It was he made that actually I commissioned him. I always say I commissioned him to make uh, <laughs> when I got my condo, um, which I now rent out, but I got my condo a bunch of years ago. He um I I had taken a couple of his pieces, but I said, Dad. I had painted my whole condo like um, like in blues and grays. And I said, I just need like a pop of color. Like I'm thinking, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I'd like something red. And I love the New York skyline. And I had saw this abstract version of it as, can you just do something? And then he came up with that. Um, and so I have that in the Star Wars room. And I remember I had posted some pictures at some point and somebody said they were looking at the room. Oh, well now you have to take that down and put, you know, something Star Wars above the TV. And I said, never like that's <laughs> like that, even though it's not Star Wars related. And, and I'm very, I'm with you. I, I'm very connected to the New York city skyline. New York is my city. And, um, that's always been very special to me. So, um, that will always remain in the Star Wars room. So it's kind of funny that you brought that, that you brought that piece up and that's the one piece that's here in the Star Wars room. Well, and really the, the work that your dad did, um, you know, just, Usually somebody has a talent when it comes to art in, in one area. And for him to be able to do things like two-dimensional paintings and then three-dimensional sculptures, wood sculptures, yeah. and he would hand paint them. He would put um, some some stuff around them, you know, whether it was like tiny, like their logs or, um, you know, uh, greens, you know, mm-hmm. from, from uh, you know, whether it's grass or, or shrubbery or anything like that to make it look like you know, the, the, the bird or the animal was in the environment. Oh, right. That's what he would do. Yeah. It wasn't just carving the bird. You're right. He would, he used this, actually, what am I, this, this smell, which I can smell to this day. He, he used some kind of like epoxy, which we're probably all going to die from because <laughs> he, would, he would do like the, the scenes for some of the birds. He would do like this water, like if they were by a pond or a lake. And I guess the way this epoxy dried, it looked like rippled water. And, um, I could send you pictures of some of those and like, um, it just looks like water. It's, but you would smell that for all day in the house. Like it was strong. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's probably not going to be good. When I'm like, <laughs> but yeah, he, he would just, he would create, you're right. He would create the environment, not just the sculpture itself. Yeah. And, and again, I'll say it over and over a true artist where I just, I, every time I look at his pieces, I mean, I sit there for, for, you know, for a while and just really 
uh, you know, take it all in and, and they're just, they're beautiful works. I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, you have so many of them and that you're, you're going to be displaying them in their own cabinet. Thank you. Yeah, they're totally, they're just amazing. Okay. And now final story, story number six. Story number six and story number six. Um, the title of this is Ahsoka Prototype. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of course it goes way beyond, um, the Ahsoka prototype. So I did acquire with your help, um, um, a few months ago, um, an Ahsoka Tano, uh, black series prototype. I just, so I had, I had gotten into Ahsoka collecting and here's the interesting thing. I remember, you know, I've been collecting vintage star Wars. That's all I've been collecting. Um, I have all the modern stuff. It's at my mom's house in the attic and, bought all that in the nineties. Um, but my star Wars room is, is primarily just all my, my vintage, but I, um, I always admired collectors that I would see that had like also like a focus. And so my focus always just was Kenner vintage, which is a focus in itself, but I, I just wanted to, you know, another, um, specialized focus, but I, it had to be something special. It had to be something that meant something to me. And over the years, I, just developed this love for the character of Ahsoka Tano long before now she's, you know, becoming more mainstream and more popular because of the Mandalorian, but long before that. And, you know, I had a couple little things of hers that I had on the shelf, but it wasn't a focus. And just in this last, you know, couple years, she's become a focus of mine. I, you know, I mean, I think similar to the connection I, I felt with Luke Skywalker, I have with her. And maybe even more so because I think as a character, she's more complex. She's more realistic with what she's gone through, you know, and, um, and her, her journey as a character. Um, I will admit that when I first saw the Clone Wars movie, um, oddly enough, I love that movie now, but when I first saw it, I didn't like it. And I <laughs> found it very weird. And I found her character annoying. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but then... I started watching the show and I remember I didn't really watch the show right away. I remember a friend of mine, another star Wars fan was like, you have to watch this. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I really didn't enjoy the movie and no, no, no. It's just, it's give it time. It's so much better. And I, and I fell in love with it. Um, and I started to really fall in love with her. And then last year, even more so after talking with you, I remember you recommended rewatching the clone wars and the new, that the episode order that they, you know, that they recommended. Mm-hmm. And then I fell in love with her even more because at that point I already knew that a lot of the, the focus and the and perspective was from her, but when you watch it in order and this time even being more of a stronger Ahsoka fan, I really completely saw a lot of that series through the eyes of Ahsoka. And, and you're, you're like, talking about chronological order, chronological um, order, right? Like the, on the now Disney recommends the, you know, cause Lucas did them all out of order. Which I remember watching it the first time, thinking, "Why?" Like it didn't make sense to me when I was watching it. Like, didn't that happen already? <laughs> um, yeah, apparently he would just he would just um, you know every so often he would go, you know approach Filoni, Dave Filoni, um, and some of the other you know writers and creatives on it, and would say, "You know, let let's revisit this story arc. Let's add more to it." Yeah. Um, and sometimes they would revisit what happened before it, and sometimes they would revisit what happened after. So it was a slightly jumbled. And so Lucasfilm came up with a um, uh, the Lucasfilm Story Group a few years ago released a list of if you were to watch the show chronologically, um, the episode guide for, for that. So it's another way to to approach it. Pretty interesting. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and it, and it definitely, and I liked it before, obviously, but seeing in that order, just it, you know, I think it just connected me to her character even more. And then, um, then I just started accruing a lot of her pieces quickly. And I remember even talking to you. <laughs> you said, you, "This is some good advice," because you said, "You don't when you have a focus, you don't have to buy every single thing that's right. my character." <laughs> there definitely were some things that I was buying that like that are not in my case right now because they, there's no room and I don't need them in there. And yeah, so I've definitely slowed down and I've been more choosy with what I get of her. Um, but so I started to accrue these pieces, and then I definitely wanted a prototype because I wanted something more rare in the collection, and it was really great to have that. And I am. I really feel special having that. But I think this is going to be a common theme that I'm going to come back to when I think about Ahsoka and I'm looking at my, my cabinet of her right now. Um, it's not about the collection. It's not just about the pieces that I have. It's, um, it's about the connections that I've made through it. And, you know, you're a big part of that. We have our little Ahsoka group, which is like, I call it like <laughs> we the do. Ahsoka family. I don't know. I don't know if we, should, I'm not going to say the name of what we really call it, but like, <laughs> um, it, it's like our Ahsoka family. And that part means the most to me. So when I look at my collection and then in particular, that prototype, especially, I look at it as the friendships that I've developed and the support that we all offer each other, not just with collecting and a love of Ahsoka, but just beyond that, even, you know, you know how we support each other in our lives and um and we almost talk now on a daily basis through that and so that that prototype is sort of like the symbol of all of that for me um the connection i have that to that character finally having a, a focus that i'm very passionate about um as sort of like an aside from my vintage collection and then mo- most of all the friendships that i've built because of it um so that's my that's my story number six. <laughs> Can you describe what the Ahsoka prototype is and what it looks like? Yeah, it's so cool too. And I remember you saying this to me before I actually got it in the mail. Like when you see it in person, it's just oh. so it's it's um it's it's a very basic looking figure. It's an unpainted first shot of um the the Ahsoka figure uh, from the factory. It's um. I am colorblind, so I probably don't see it the exact way that everybody else does, but it's got, it's like orange, these deep orange and yellows, almost like earth tone colors and some browns. Um, I don't, it's so bizarre, right? Cause it's not painted. It doesn't even really look, you know, like the character of Ahsoka as we know it. But to me, it's, it's more beautiful. I have it next to the production figure in the package. And to me, it's so much more beautiful than the production figure itself. Um, it's, looks like a piece of art to me it It really does it looks like a a stylized version and that's where these sculpts are really cool because you get you know especially unpainted you get to really see the details and so this is for the six inch uh black series collection uh the figure came out in 2015 and um we've been fortunate you know some some prototypes have have made their way to the public and uh, we've been fortunate enough that uh, the ahsoka one has been uh, slightly more common ones so a number of us have been able yeah. to get it which is nice yeah i mean i would love to of course we've talked about this i would love to acquire um some prototypes of the the clone wars versions of her but i know i got into this a little bit <laughs> too late probably for that but you never know you never know well if i can if i can share a little on on, on my end of, of this story um so toward the end of the year you had contacted me and, and you said um do you think it'd be possible to pick up an Ahsoka Black Series 
first shot, a prototype one day. And I said, absolutely. I will help you. I'll kind of get the word out. You know, we'll see what we can do. We'll try to get you one. Um, and that'll be a great goal for 2021. Yeah. <laughs> and then what happened? It was, I got it in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> like what was two weeks later, I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You know what? That's the true law of attraction. I do believe in that. You put it out there in the universe and it comes back to you. And yeah. And then I remember you messaging me and you, you gave me a lead on it. And, um, I, yeah, it was great. It worked out perfect. And I think yeah. I got it at just the right time because I, I think going forward, it's going to be very difficult to acquire that piece. Very difficult. Yeah. And Ahsoka stuff has been really hard to find and to get just in general, yeah. uh, virtually impossible. Um, yeah. And so for you to be able to pick one up before really everything completely ramped up and, and hit the stratosphere is, is a wonderful thing. And it's interesting too, because now like there's, so there's people who, are, who know that I have a big Ahsoka focus and it's been nice because there have been um, some people in the community who have been reaching out to me, like asking me questions like, and I do not can, I mean, I feel like I'm much newer into Ahsoka. Um, I do not feel like an expert at all, but but to them, because I, you know, I've been doing this longer than they have, they have been reaching out to me for advice. And so it's been kind of nice to, to not feel like the expert, but also to be a little bit of a mentor, if I can be, to, to pay back what you and others have done for me. That's been nice, too, when you have like a, a special focus like that, that, you're able to do that. That's, that's amazing that you say that, because for me, like I know that I had I had hit a certain point where I went from asking questions to, to being asked questions or to providing answers. And I think when we get to that point, it's, it's, it's a wonderful uh, responsibility yeah. that's on us. Yes. And it's also a way to connect with um, the, the newer, you know, collectors to the hobby or people that are, that are maybe been in the hobby for a while, but are shifting, you know, a, a focus toward, whether it's a modern, you know, character like Ahsoka or just some other area of collecting, and what we're doing is we're we're kind of paying tribute to the people that came before us. You know, the ones that that started, you know, the, the early websites or that provided information, um, you know, and and who really guided us. And so, just to continue to do that, I mean, that's that's really one of the most special things we can do. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, FJ, I I loved your six stories. Oh, I'm so you. glad. Yeah. You, you chose some really great ones. As I said, I had no idea what direction you were going to go into and I'm, I'm really glad I really enjoy it uh, that way. But um, you have so many pieces that are not only just, you know, wonderful and amazing and beautiful, but I, I love, I love the fact that you're so connected to so many of them and that they have stories that continue to resonate with you uh, through, through years and decades. Well, th th David, thank you for doing this series, and I, I'm, thank you for having me. I'm, I feel completely honored to be here, and I, I just think that there's so much that people can get out of hearing. Like the last two that you did were just fantastic, and I really learned so much. So, really, thank, thank you. you. Well, yeah, and the the idea is really just to to build on friendships, you know, and especially now as everything is starting to open again, yeah. um, you know, hopefully people get to know you, and and we'll reach out to you and. And uh, the next time, you know, we're all together uh, at, a, at an Empire State Club meetup yeah, or celebration, you know, um, we just we're going to have, you know, hopefully double and triple and quadruple the amount of friends that we have now. So. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what this does. It just brings the Star Wars brings us all together. It really does. It's be, like we said, it's beyond the movies, beyond the collecting. It just is a force that brings us all together. Absolutely. And FJ, you've been, 
you know, for me, uh, during the quarantine, getting to know you and building a friendship has been an absolute blessing. Back um, at you, David. I love you like a brother, and I'm glad that Same you know we both way. live in New Jersey, so we're yes. we're close to one another. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will be we will be hanging out and uh, and and you know going on some adventures really oh, for soon sure. too. That's without a doubt. All right, my friend. It was wonderful talking to you, and uh, I look forward to our next adventure. Can't wait. Thanks again, David.